Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's December 31st, 2021. You're listening to the best PokerCast on the internet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Do we compare our flights we had recently, or do I just launch right into what I want to talk about? I really, I honestly, I thought I was going to be able to complain a, a lot, but uh, I kept waiting for mine to get as bad as yours. It never <laughs> did. It was close, but uh, that, so. Well, I, yeah. I won't, I won't complain about the trip. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you saw it. If if you're not, then uh, just know that I, I was up 24 hours more than that. And I was sent uh, two hours west of where I was supposed to stay, and they said, uh, "Okay, good luck." <laughs> they left me there. Um, yeah, SOL is like your life story. Isn't it, it is the World Series, you know, global travel. SOL. Uh, we actually entertained my seven-year-old granddaughter by playing left, right, center, or left, center, right, or however you want to say it, on the floor of the Knoxville Airport baggage claim area. Um, for two hours before I waited for my daughter to drive two hours west to pick us up. Um, but it was great to go back to North Carolina, you know, and see my family again. And, uh, cause they moved there, uh, about 13, 14 months ago and took the grandkids with them. Uh, so it was nice to get together. But one of the best parts about getting together was all the guys were together for the first time in like a couple of years and we played poker and I hadn't played poker in so long because just been so busy with everything else. Um, but I gotta tell you, I mean, Rust doesn't even begin to describe my play. It was like, um, I know you had talked a little bit about how rusty you were recently. And, uh, I mean, I, I misreading the board, misreading the players, even my shuffling was horrible. Like I, I realize now how old I am that the oils are gone from like my thumbprints. <laughs> and so if you don't have the right plastic cards, it's just like chunk, chunk, and then nothing happens. I'm like, damn. And then I got to start doing like those pharaoh shuffles like the magicians do, <laughs> you know, try to get them mixed up and stuff. And uh, very frustrating. But I, I, the reason I'm bringing it up is something real interesting happened. Um, for a while, I had turned into those players that you especially dread at the table. You know, good body odor. Oh yeah, I mean, I did stink from that long twenty-four hour travel. That was supposed to take an hour and a half. Um, but you know the type, right? The ones who get it in bad and suck out on you. That was me. I mean, I, I used. To, how many times do you know we always complain about how people have luck against us because we're usually making the correct decisions or getting it in good. I was getting it in bad and sucking out. It was fantastic. It was great, doesn't it? It feels fantastic, you know. And then you know the ones that are. Um, they're overconfident in their hand, and so you read it as, oh, he must be strong, 
because he could just this guy doesn't know any better than to act strong, so he must be strong. And so you fold to him, and then you turn out he's got a pocket eights, and you had top pair, top kicker, and that was me too. Like people were folded to my vets, and I didn't, you know. And I'm like, is it because I'm that good? And was, no, because they thought I was strong, and I wasn't. I was just, I was just thinking my hand was good, and it wasn't. And I tell you, it's true what they say: ignorance is bliss. If yep. if I could go back in time and become that, you know just learning ABC poker player again because we played five tournaments, you know, five little sit-and-goes over the week, and I won four of them, and I finished third in the other one, and there was like five of us playing, four of us playing. So um, it was weird. It was great to not have to deal, you know, because the first one out is always has to deal. <laughs> you know, I never had to deal, and uh, but I was really rusty, and I, I got nervous a lot. And I'm like, we're not even playing for money. We're playing for fun with the family. But I actually got nervous, so... I don't know. I think I need to start playing a little more because I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like the feeling of, you know, being nervous over nothing. Um, <laughs> but it was great. It was great to play again and uh, just to, the memories and the camaraderie and stuff. It was great. Had a great time. Yeah, it does feel good to get back in, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It really does. I mean, it, it just sounds funny, you know, to owners of a poker media company and a show that's been going on for, what, 16 years, 17 years, something like that, you know, to say, oh, my gosh, we're... <laughs> We miss playing poker. It seems so weird. But, you know, it's all ingrained in us. You know, we're talking about poker and, and everything. We, we There's no reason that you can't listen to the show just because we don't play as much as we used to. Um, but it is that much better when we do play. And uh, it was fun. It was fun. I'll probably start playing again, I think, pretty soon. Yeah, we are having a new bedroom furniture delivered uh, today. And uh, so I had to move uh, everything out of the, the bedroom, including the India poker table. So, Oh, wow. Didn't make me think about getting the, uh, the home game going again. We we got one game going and then uh, we kind of collapsed after that. So. <laughs> It'll Maybe happen. We'll here again soon. It'll so. happen. All right, uh, Houston poker player Sanji Vora has bought Johnny Chan's Houston Poker Club '88 Social and renamed it the 101 Poker Club. Vora, a CEO of a petrochemical company, just like I own, uh, <laughs> says he plans major renovations to the club. So this club is what thirteen better than the other club. <laughs> That's so weird. And the one-on-one, is that like a tip to like California, you think, maybe? I, yeah, that's the first thing I thought of was the one-on-one casino in, in uh, wine country out in, in California. Uh, I, I don't know what the um, – uh, uh, I don't know how it ties in here. Um, I don't think one-on-one is a poker term, really, right? So, no, I, mean, I don't out, think so. Out there, it's a, it's a highway, so I don't know. Maybe there's a one-on-one highway in the – in Houston, or I don't know, maybe he just likes the number one hundred and one. I don't know. We used to uh, we used to teach poker one hundred and one. Yes, right? there we go. But that was like the college level course of yeah. You know, maybe beginners. this is a club for beginners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to you don't want to play them because you don't know if they're good or not, and they probably suck out on you like I did. Once you've gone pro, you're not allowed in. You you lose your amateur status. That's right. That's right. Uh, but no, it sounds like uh, it sounds like he's a well-known uh, poker player in in the area. Uh, he, as he likes to say, people like him in the game because he's not that good. So uh, <laughs> he definitely has a good um, spirit to him. He's had our general manager. The um, uh, the renovations that he's already done look fantastic. So um, you know, hey, you know that it's up and down in Texas with poker, right? So I mean, uh, it's good to see that this down turned into an up at least for right now. So I know I'm gonna tick off a lot of our listeners, but. Um I think there was a story this morning too. I saw where someone was making the players wanting to make the players whole at the other club that had the problems. Or the, or was it this club? Was he yeah, the one that said that? Yeah. Oh, he he was the one that said. It. So that was the other good thing too. It's not just that, but I mean, he he's going to make them whole again. I think is what he said or try to. So yeah, well, it, the, yeah. You, you might have seen a different article than I did. Okay. 
at least the one I saw, he said uh, that they're putting in, um, uh, I don't know, safety's not the right word, but uh, measures to be sure that uh, what happened before won't happen right. uh, players this time. So, But again, it, it's all trust the folks. So, you know, I, it, it's, it's tough if you were like a... If you're if you're in our level, it's no big deal because you can walk in a book with a couple of hundred bucks. If you get rolled in the parking lot, you know you'll you'll live. Right? Yeah, your life won't change. Yeah, but if you're you're playing those twenty forty games or those big uh, ten twenty no limit games, uh, I mean, what's your choice to you know carry on ten k in cash or put in a safe deposit box in the in the room and and hope that someone doesn't roll you? That, that owns it, right? Yeah, so. Yeah. But again, that, that's Texas. Again, I'm like, I think, you know, 100 years from now, when people write the history of Texas poker, I'm like, it it, 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 it really hasn't changed. It's modernized, but it hasn't changed, right? Because you go back to uh, Doyle Brunson talking about, you know, the road gamblers and, you know, how getting robbed was, you know, just the cost of doing business <laughs> in yeah. those juicy Texas games. And uh, I don't want to say that's the cost of doing business now, because obviously we, we think we're in a, um, a more modern state here. But, uh, but again, we've seen it. I mean, you know, yeah, rolling the dice there. So, well, at least there's, you know, it's it's exactly what you wanted to happen there with someone that was going to come in, make it a better situation, make the players whole, and you know, if he does that, those players are going to be loyal to him and keep playing there. You know, they're going to come back because they want their money, but they're also going to come back and say, okay, you know, you made us whole, I owe you this, and so, you know, it's a good business move. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right, two poker advocates have left us this past week. Uh, Henry Orenstein, who patented the whole card camera that revolutionized televised poker, has died at 98. Orenstein, who survived five concentration camps during World War II, created a number of popular toys, including the Transformers. Also, his Orenstein project provided financial assistance to the Jewish community and Holocaust survivors. And former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid died at 82. Reid, who had battled cancer, was known as one of the staunchest supporters of online poker. Uh, in 2010, his Internet Poker Act had a chance to pass, but the bill ultimately failed. Uh, and then he later flipped and decided he didn't like online gambling. But. Yeah, but by then it was the end of his career and whatever. But he, he was a huge supporter of, of At that time, if it had passed, it wouldn't have mattered what he flipped on. You know what I mean? If it had passed, it had passed. And he could have made a big difference in all of our lives. Um, yeah, his article said one of the staunches. I, I can't think of a more staunch supporter back in the day. Yeah gambling uh than, than he was i mean and he got so close to to getting it passed and it was interesting um uh there's a good article on poker news daily that i'll recommend uh, our listeners go check out um but uh but they mentioned that you know hey a lot of this all this big push was before black friday right so yeah, i mean yeah it's a hard to even imagine pre-black friday now <laughs> we're getting old i mean i got my aarp application in the mail yesterday <laughs> send that 16 bucks off today um so uh but yeah it's hard to remember back then but uh it was a different world back then i mean people again people kind of liked the status quo back then they they didn't want to rock the boat unless it uh it was perfect and and there was no such thing as perfect back then so um it ended up dying and then and then the articles mentioned like hey maybe if folks could see what's going to happen a couple months later <laughs> maybe yeah. they wouldn't have been so rigid in their opposition to it and, and we would have got that passed and can you imagine the world now if had they got that bill passed before Black Friday. I know. Poker would still be everywhere on TV. Yeah. You and I'd be driving our gold Rolls Royces to, uh, you know, to dinner. <laughs> um, but uh, it didn't happen. So uh, we need another Harry Reid to step up. Yeah, and, and he was a really good guy. He's really interesting, uh, uh, really kind of heartwarming to, to read the um, remembrances of him now. You know, everybody's a hero in death, but uh, but he certainly was a very well-respected yeah 
person who came from a very small town in Nevada. I know my uh, aunt and uncle used to campaign for him and have fundraisers for him all the time, and they loved him. So um, he, one of those uh, kids that went from a uh, small town to uh, big time. Indeed. So, yeah. cool. And then Orenstein, wow. And you want to talk about a life story. I mean, I know talk it. about feeling like you, you accomplished nothing in your life. A couple of months before you turn fifty, that's <laughs> I feel like after reading uh, Ornstein's uh, obituary. I mean, I mean for us, I mean the big thing was the whole card camera, and I, I don't think it's a stretch for us to say that if you didn't invent that, we wouldn't be talking right now, right? Oh, probably right, because uh, it, it just wouldn't have generated that poker boom um, that that ended up creating Annie up. So, um, I mean, somebody probably would have came up with eventually, but uh, well, I mean, they had the the cameras over underneath the tables for a while i think before the, the, the lipstick cams but yeah for america to to grab onto the travel channel all that stuff he invented it for here and it was a big deal and then after that it was off and running and really i'm like just like i mean i i mean five concentration camps i mean i just cheered up reading that i'm like remarkable i've been to dachau and i went to auschwitz and i'm like uh, truly two of the most horrifying things i've seen in my life and to imagine anybody surviving that, alone surviving, getting moved around to five of them surviving it, and then getting on a boat a couple of years later and coming to the states and and just creating all kinds of stuff um, and great stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, if if you did any one of the things that Orenstein created, you would consider yourself like one of the most amazing people on the earth, right? right exactly. <laughs> And he just, like, he didn't have any, I mean, I'm sure he had some misses. And, you know, the obituary, they never go back and talk about all the crap he came up with that didn't go anywhere. But right, right. certainly didn't seem like he had any misses, right? I mean, he seemed to, like, be able to figure out the good. And, I mean, and a lot of it was so simple, right? I'm like, the whole card camera was so simple that no one came up with it. Transformers, I'm like, being able to turn a, uh, a car into a monster. I'm like, <laughs> it seems so simple now. But Yeah, yeah. And then what it, what it spawned. You know, from that, it just spawned all the cartoons and movies and all this um, paraphernalia and stuff that it just, it's remarkable. And who doesn't know what a Transformer is? You know what I mean? We all know what Transformers are from this one guy. It's crazy. Yeah. Anything he did was, was basically a home run and uh, worth, worthy of respect. Yeah, two, uh, two, lives, two long lives well lived there, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anti-Updates, Papes, the Anti-Up fans' free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money site is available everywhere. Details on how to join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. Games are on the 6th, 16th, and 26th every month, and they rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Anti-Up fans group Facebook page to get feedback on hands, ask call-the-floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Anti-Up logo designs on merchandise at antiupmagazine.com slash shop. Buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, with, uh, and much more with your choice of Anti-Up Magazine, Anti-Up PokerCast, or Anti-Up PokerTour logos. And if you have a hand of the week especially... Uh, listener spotlight or call the floor submission. Email podcast at antiupmagazine.com or post in any fans Facebook group. Uh, it's getting pretty low. I think the, the the coffers are almost empty. Or they will be empty after today. So <laughs> send us something or there's no show in the new year, I think. Uh, <laughs> That's a good threat there. Uh, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. Email us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. We'll have Rivers Casino Schenectady Director of Poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. It's Jerry Haynes. 
He says, in our home tournament, the under-the-gun player shoved all in and action folded to the big blind. The big blind was looking at his cards and considering calling while the dealer was raking in the folded cards. Uh, at the, uh, as the small blind mucked, her cards were inadvertently flipped over and the dealer flipped them back. The under-the-gun saw the cards, but the big blind did not. The big blind felt that since the under-the-gun got to see the cards, that he should as well. Uh, in other words, the, the person who's yet to act should see him. My initial thought as the dealer was that since she had no more betting that could influence the action, that he did not need to see the cards. However, after a brief discussion, we determined that all players should get to see exposed cards, so we let the big blind see them. Did we get it right? All right, Elliot says your initial thoughts were correct. You have strong instincts for common sense poker rulings. Show one, show all is an important concept in poker because it maintains the fairness of one player to a hand. Chiefly, it is one of the best rules we have to prevent collusive behavior. In this case, it would not be fair to the original raiser if the last remaining player were shown the cards prior to their acting as the other the gun player acted on their own hand uh, on their hand without that knowledge. The correct remedy is to keep the cards face down and off to the side, completing the action, then showing the cards to the active players remaining. In this way, all betting rounds are conducted under identical and fair circumstances. So now in this situation, that's about as right as you can get it. Because it, there's still a situation where it's unfair, and that would be, and not unfair, just uh, uh, terrible that it happened. Because let's say the under-the-gun player has a hand he wants to raise with, and he doesn't need to see the cards, but he, he's going to raise on it because he likes it and thinks it's worth raising. If he does raise, not the under-the-gun, but the, the big one, the under-the-gun player now has that extra information to work on because he got to see those two cards and the blind didn't. So if I were at the big blind, I look down, I have ace king and I want to raise, but I don't know that the cards that were folded have an ace in them or a king in them. I'm going to raise, but now the other person who maybe has an ace and a king in their hand knows an ace and a king were folded. Now he can react more appropriately on the raise or the re-raise or whatever happened in the hand. And so there's no perfect way to do it, but that's the only scenario I see where that information benefits one player and not the other at that time. Because um, obviously you can't show the person the cards and then, you know what I mean? Because then they can react to them seeing them before they make their raise or whatever. So this is definitely the best way to do it. And I totally agree with showing them after the action ends. It's just terrible that one player got to see him and the other one didn't. And it was between actions. Well, we got really lucky in this situation because the, the there's two players left in this hand. One's already all in, and they're the ones that saw the cards. So, I mean, there's nothing right. that, that can affect them, right? So, um, and then the other player, uh, his only option is to call or fold, right? Right. right. So, uh, so, so uh, to me, I'm like when I was reading this first time, like when I the first, as Elliot said, his initial Jerry's initial thoughts were exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, there, there's absolutely no reason for the big blind to see these cards now because now you're going to give him an unfair advantage that the other player didn't. Right. Um, so it seemed like an easy decision to me. I, I would have liked to have heard that discussion though as to the arguments as to why one should see the cards and not the other and get a big uh, a big advantage. And I, I and I think. The big blind was arguing the wrong way. I mean, he was arguing that it was unfair that he uh, didn't get to see him, but actually it would be unfair for him to see him right. in this situation because he'd have information that didn't. Now, 
So uh, think of it this the other way: if that player was not all in yet, now that's where it gets really cruddy. Here. Right, and that's what I was. That's what I was yeah. trying to get to. Yeah. So, if, at that point, I'm like, I, I think you do need to, to show the cards at that point. So, um, and it, it's unfortunate for that first person that acted without it. But, but I guess the way to kind of reconcile that in your mind is, um, you know, position's important, right? So, you know, I mean, it sucks sometimes. I mean, it, 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 there's no, as you said, there's no fair way in that, in that situation to resolve it. So you got to default to the, the next best, which is, hey, if you're out of position, you're out of position. Next time that happens, you might be in position and benefit from it. So, I mean, don't get too focused on being unfair this time because it, it may be in your favor the next time. So, so let me let me get this straight. So, you you're thinking that if the under the gun player wasn't all in, it was just a typical raise, and we're in the exact same situation. You think the big blind gets to see the cards before the big blind acts? I think it's a different discussion at that point. I okay. Mean, I, I guess all I'm saying is it's just easy now because there, there's there's no reason for the big blind to see them. Um, uh, I, I, I think probably uh, I would still side with not showing them at that point um, until they've acted on their hand once, right? Right, right. That's what I'm saying. I think they still need – maybe they get to see them then. Yeah, but here, here's the problem in that scenario is that the other players already seen them, right? right. So, so now if the big blind raises – he is without that information, but the other player now gets to act knowing that information, right? So that that's where I think it gets tricky in that scenario. Um, you know, here it was easy because there's no other action, so that another gun player couldn't benefit from seeing those cards, um, other than just knowing that <laughs> those, those those two cards exist, right? Right. Uh, but but if there's still still an option for the under the gun to play before those cards are revealed. Um, I think at that point it has to be, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I can't see a scenario. I mean, I guess it could probably be talked out of it, but I, I can't see a scenario where um, those cards aren't displayed. I, I think it has to come after the big blind makes the decision of what he wants to do. So the big blind, I say, because now, right now he's complaining, saying, I didn't get to see the cards. So you say, okay, well, act on your hand. And then when you're done acting on your hand, we'll show you the cards and then we'll go on. So, if yeah. The, right? Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That way, everyone's got their action done without seeing the cards when their action was actually made, and right. then now you can move on knowing you both got to see the folded do seven. Yep, yep. Okay, you convinced me. Yep. Yay! <laughs> Holy cow! Okay, now Scott, sign over the entire company to me. <laughs> hey, give me your savings. Okay, but okay, I agree with that though. I think that's uh, it's it's so amazing, isn't it? How every week we come up with something that. It's like, wow, you you don't think about that happening, but the perfect storm of it being an all-in player and only one person left to act, and then the cards in between get shown. I mean, you can't come up with this stuff, you know? It's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, again, it goes back, and I'm not trying to make the deal in the situation feel bad or the small blind or whoever it was that that, that resulted in these cards being inadvertently flipped over, but... You know, uh, we're, we're in home games, we're having fun, we're drinking beer, we're, we're telling stories and stuff, so it's hard to always completely focus. But a lot of these scenarios would, would be fixed if just uh, the dealer takes takes that uh, that deal off of the conversation, the beer drinking and everything else, and right. just focuses really hard on, on the dealing and, and makes sure that this stuff doesn't happen. But Well, you know, Jerry was probably enjoying a brew, and his hands were a little shaky, because he was dealing. Yeah, because you know he's been rusty, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly it. Uh, we're going to complete O'Malley's move today, which is always great. So uh, we're going to fresh our memories with part one here, and we'll see you on the other side. 
welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing in a $2, $5, no limit hold'em casino cash game. The game is eight-handed. We butt in for $1,500 and currently sit with around $2,500. The small blind posts, we're in the big blind end post. The end of the gun raises to $15, the plus one folds, the MP calls, the hijack and cutoff fold, the button calls, the small blind folds, and we look down at the king of hearts, nine of hearts. This seems like a decent hand to see a flop with. Low risk, high reward. We call. With $60 in the pot, the flop is a good one. The queen of hearts, eight of hearts, four of hearts comes down. We check looking to play this one deceptively. The under the gun checks. The MP bets $40. The button folds and we go for the check raise. We make it $130 to go. The under the gun calls, but surprisingly, the MP folds. The under the gun is a decent but speculative player. He plays a wide range pre-flop and can sometimes get in trouble after the flop. He started the hand with just under $1,600. There's now roughly $360 in the pot and the turn is the tray of hearts. This puts four to a flush out there and is a bad card, but not necessarily because it puts us behind. It could, however, kill our action. We decide to continue our aggression. We make it $225 to go. After some thought, our opponent calls. There's now 800 in the pot, and the river is the queen of clubs. Let's go for some value. We make it 225 to go. Our opponent pauses briefly, and then shoves, making the bet total 1200. So, it's 975 to call. What's the move? Well, this sucks. Uh, or if we're spelled <laughs> Tampa Tines, well, this S dash 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 dash. <laughs> this stinks. <laughs> and then making people like, you know, think it's the worst word than it really is, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the turn and river killers, the ace of hearts or rivered boat has his beat. Uh, O'Malley's description of our opponent gives me some hope though. Uh, this is really a tough spot and another of the, another one of those stare into the soul of our opponent's spots. Uh, but I think I'm going to call. Fold. <laughs> Here's why. Just like the ace of hearts beats us, the person betting knows it beats him too. If he doesn't have the ace of hearts, it's just too big of a bluff. I think for this game, maybe maybe it's a big enough game. I don't know, but I'm fl- I'm folding. I, I just can't. I don't have the gumption to call here. I'm I'm putting it down. So, um, yeah. Here, here comes part two. Hello again. Why come alive now? I guess it's possible he has the Ace of Hearts, but could it be something like the Jack of Hearts or the Ten of Hearts value betting? Maybe it's a bluff taking advantage of the scare card on the end. Can we really fold the second nut flush here? I don't think we can. Maybe this is a bad move, but we call. Nut flush, our opponent says, and tables the ace of hearts, ten of hearts. He flopped it, just like we did. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, be careful about big blind specials. They might turn out to be not so special. I hope to see you on the felt. Uh, well, definitely a case of big blind special-itis. <laughs> create a shirt for that uh understanding how the human brain works i think is a big part of poker and we we tend to get more excited uh, when we flop uh bad hands big uh when we get in cheap like in the big blind and uh that definitely played a role here i think uh not to say this is freudian but and your notes you wrote like in the big bind which <laughs> which i think is really like well described for when you're in the big blind it is a big bind because you know you're acting last and you know other than the small blind but they didn't say small bind so i couldn't make that joke <laughs> but it did say big bind all right so uh not exactly how you want the year to end 
uh, for O'Malley's move, but uh, I just didn't think we were good, and uh, I would have folded, and I'm not rubbing it in or anything, but uh, it's too bad. It's too bad. And like you said, you, know, you got these hands that flip pretty good and uh, or flop pretty good. And uh, See, I'm even rusty with my terms. Yeah, i got to play more poker, man. And, and you used the wrong word in the notes there, so I just corrected it. Yeah, so. what did it say? Two? It's a two. two yeah, instead of the, I know, we're terrible. You got your back there. Don't worry. I think it, don't send us any hands of the week. The show needs to end. <laughs> we're, we're just, we're just, it's becoming embarrassing. Oh, man. But yeah, definitely go back. If, if those of you chart your hands and stuff, uh, it'd be interesting to go back and look at uh, the crappy hands you play in a small blind because it's a dollar to get in a big blind that, you know, you've already paid. And then see how much money you lose on those when you 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 think you flop big and then you end up losing. Exactly. So, so I really do think that's the how the human brain works is you get excited when it's like getting away with something, right? Yeah. Like oh man, I've got a seven four offsuit and I just flopped the straight. I got away with it and then you lose the flush, right? So um, you know I think I just think you overvalue a little bit more that way. So. And it's time for what might be the last hand of the week because we have no more in the <laughs> hopper. So if you, if you have any hands of the week, go ahead and send them to us. Uh, and if you do, uh, I'm sorry, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Uh, send your hands or situations a podcast at antiupmagazine.com, please. Uh, if you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. If it has to end on somebody's hand, Chris, I'm glad it's Vic G's. Yes. Uh, he usually sends in like 98, so that shows you how uh, how far down in the the barrel we've gotten that we've run out of Vic G hands <laughs> on top of running out of all hands. So. He's easily provided the most hands in the history of the show. Yes, he has. Yes, Barnard. he has. All right, he's playing one two no limit hold'em um, at uh, one of these South Florida poker rooms. Uh, seven handed, uh, and uh, let's see. The table was joined by a couple well heeled golfers. Oh, I love it when they sit down. <laughs> Uh, both look to have plenty of home game experience. One plays tight, while the other likes to see flops. Uh, the latter is in the unfortunate position of being seated on my right, and is the villain. Is the is the villain in this hand? He starts the hand with the three hundred dollar max buy him. Under the gun folds. Low jack opens for fifteen dollars, and we are next in the high jack and have the table covered. We look down at the queen of hearts, queen of spades, or what Amarillo Slim like to call four big. Fill in the blank. Oh, nice. It is a, it's a podcast. We can say what that, but no. No, we're not going to. We have class. I'm going to make it a game. I'm going to make a game. You could fill Choose your own adventure. <laughs> it's like match game PM. Yes, yes. Four big blank. Hey, did you ever play that game Cards Against Humanity? Oh, yes. We usually, we usually play it every Christmas, actually. That's when we played it. The best day to do it. Uh, well, we didn't have anybody over this year, but for the last several years, we've had a... You know, after everybody had the little holiday dinners, they all came to our house for dessert and Cards Against Humanity. Yep. I played it on uh, Christmas, and I had never played it before. And oh. it's funny, because now I understand all those Facebook memes when you see those cards. Because <laughs> yes. I didn't know what the hell those, what those were. I just laughed at them, but I didn't know what they were. And, man, we laughed our butts off. It was hilarious. So I know I'm late to the party, but, you know, I don't socialize. I'm a hermit. So to finally do it, it was fantastic. Uh, the best part of that, too, is, like, when we have our older friends over and they don't know some of the terms. The, the the sexual terms yeah yeah they say it out loud I don't know what that is and then you have to like draw straws on who's going to explain it to grandma <laughs> uh, and we got the uh, the bonus eighties nineties pack that we added too so that was that was nice too but uh, fantastic all right so I should get to the hand here right we so have yeah, queen so queen anyhow, four big fill in the blank all right um what Charles Nelson Riley would say yes uh, let's see. 
it, I guess it depends on what the people behind us have been playing like. Like if they're if they fold to raises and stuff, I might be tricky. But generally, I don't like to be too tricky at a poker table, especially a one-two game uh, with you know tourists and stuff. So um, I'll probably just pop it and make it like fifty or forty-five or something. I mean, it's seven-handed, so it's a really strong hand. Um, but you know, you you like to be isolated with people that aren't as good as you, or you know, you want to be able to act last, so you want to get the other guys behind you to fold. So I I think I might make it forty-five or fifty. Yeah, I think the, the proper poker move is to raise here. Obviously, this is a premium hand, and uh, you know you want to get paid off for it. Um, I do like some misdirection here, though, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, we're in the hijack, so I mean we're not in a guaranteed position, but we're we've got good position, and then somebody's already raised, so somebody's already taken the heat um, to uh, fold out the lesser hands, right? So. Um, so I, if I feel squirrely, I think uh, I might just call here and conceal my hand and, and see what happens. I mean, obviously the danger of that is when that ace or king comes, but honestly that danger is worse when you raise, cause then you have to like, you have to have those, you know, stone cold ice in your veins, right. To continue betting with Queens when there's an ace or king on board. So, um, that's kind of one of those other reasons that, that I kind of like the call here is that ace or king comes and, and there's some betting action before it gets to us that, you know, I can kind of safely, uh, throw these, uh, four big blanks into the, um, <laughs> into the mock at that point. So Gene I, Rayburn. I'm going to call here. I just, I, I feel, I, I feel like being creative today. So that's why I'm going to call here, but I, the proper poker movie is to raise. You sound like Gene Rayburn the way you said it too. <laughs> That's why I was laughing. Four big I think mics. One of those really big mics. Like, you know. <laughs> I always like that one. And then, like the other shows, they were big and fat, but his was always that. that. It was like a P on, on the end it was, of a stick. It's like a baton from yeah. a baton swirler, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, big size with you. He says we're putting in a raise uh, 100% of the time, especially at a seven handed table uh, full of tight old regulars and two golfers. We make it $40 to go. And get heads up with the initial razor. Okay. All right, pot is $76 after the rake. And the flop is the Jack of Hearts, Seven of Diamonds, Tray of Clubs, Villain Checks, and the action is on us. Well, I mean, obviously it's pretty standard. It's a great flop for us. Straights are, I mean, yeah, somebody could have 8-9 and pop a 10, or somebody could have 9-10 and pop an 8 or something. But three suits... You know, I doubt the guy raising in the low jack has 5-6 and 9-10, but he might. Could have ace-jack but and want to just check-raise us or something, which is great. Um, the only hand we're fearing really is jack-jack, king-king, and ace-ace, which, you know, you think being a um, a golfer, as he said, that they might have repopped us pre-flop if they had a hand like king-king or ace-ace, so they didn't. So it's hard to imagine them being that tricky. So I think we're good here. Yeah, I, th- um, I think we're only dead the jacks here. I mean, uh, sevens and trays possibly, but I think we're only dead the jacks. So yeah, I think, I think so. Right, Aces, kings would have re-raised, or should have re-raised. But again, that's the whole reason I wouldn't have raised my queens to, to conceal. So, but anyhow. So I like a bet here. The pot's 76. You know, we tend to bet half pot when it's after the flop. So, I mean, 40 bucks is probably right, which is what we bet pre-flop. So, you know, 40 bucks is pretty good. So let's make it 40. I agree. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Vic says, this was a great flop for our hand. Nice and dry with Jack High. Yeah. Uh, we decided to continue with a $50 bet. 
if he has a jack, we should have him hooked. Uh, he's seen me raise players off pots before, so he'll call pretty wide. He thinks for a moment and then calls to fifty dollars. I, I almost thought he was going to raise there for a second. Mm. Pots now at one seventy six. The turn is the five of hearts. So our board now is jack of hearts, seven of diamonds, tray of clubs, five of hearts. And our villain now boldly counts out three stacks of five uh, $5 chips each and slides them in the pot. So it's 75, to, 75 bucks to us. Hmm. Interesting that he just wakes up and bets now. It's not like he... It, it, I don't think he'd be doing that if he picked up a heart draw with one card to come. So I'm not thinking flush. You know, uh, flush draw. Uh, I don't think he's got 6-4. That doesn't make sense. Nope. Yeah, that five really shouldn't have changed anything here. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like if I'm Vic, I want to get as much money out of this guy as possible. So I, I think that he might raise here. It's a, there's, a, there's a reason to call if you think he'll check the river. I don't think he's bluffing us. I think he likes his hand. Yeah. It's just whether or not his hand's better than ours. This gets it's back really to the whole... ace-jack to me right now, I think, which is great for us. Um, and it, it's going to be really bad if it's jack-jack. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it gets back to that rusty conversation we had earlier about is this guy bad enough at poker that he's you have to read him as okay he thinks he's really strong but his hand's not as strong as ours or is he really crafty and now he's making us think more than we need to um, I don't know I I I I like a raise so I like making it well if the guy had three hundred yeah I mean really at this point you just need to shove I yeah think. shove he's down like less than half of his stack so he's like at what one well, probably 160 now, I think, is what I figured. Yeah, you're going to make it 150. Might as well just shove. Yeah. And, yeah. and the hand is over. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's what I need to do here. You know, obviously, I mean, we're not drawing dead here, right? If he's got jags, we still got outs. Right, with two outs. Two, but, you know, we still got outs. You know, those other four big blanks. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, we're only drawing dead to a straight, and that straight is... It seems to be impossible that someone would have raised and called a raise with four if six. If he turns so. over uh, straight there, I'm winning poker for uh, forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's not even in my my uh, range here or uh, his range, so I don't think so. Yeah, I'm shoving here. Yep. Um, all right. He says uh, the villain only has 135 behind, uh, but how on earth does the five of hearts improve his hand? If he flopped a set, uh, the five of hearts isn't that scary, so he should check again and allow me to bet. There's no way he played a uh, 6-4, uh, right? right? I think that this is a spot where we have to either jam or fold, and with the overpair and our reputation, it's an easy jam. We move all in, hoping that he made the correct decision, that we made the correct decision, and curious to see what crazy cards we might be up against. The villain snap calls and tables the jack of clubs, five of spades. Oh, no what? way. I guess he got me. He played this uh, for forty dollars pre-flop with only a three hundred dollars starting stack. How did I get invited to this home game? Wow! <laughs> Half-heartedly po- apologizes. I river the queen of clubs and drag the almost six hundred dollar pot to felt him. Players checks on table twenty-one. Holy cow! That see, he deserves to lose all his chips. He deserves to get sucked out on. That's, I mean, that's just. What are you thinking? I mean, how many times is he going to lose a ton of money with that hand versus getting this magical five of hearts on the turn to give him that hand? You know, that's insane. Yeah. And not even suited. Again, we keep talking about suited doesn't mean that much. But, oh, my God, at least that, that for, for, a, for a beginning player or a not great player, which is clearly one of the two of these for this guy. Right. Um, 
um, you somewhat you're like you're less surprised when it's suited because you know people like like hey, maybe I'll fuck the flesh here. It wasn't even suited. Oh man, that's just it was great possibilities. I'm like this is almost as bad as a as a hand gets here, and I mean that uh, because you know you get excited and this is what happens. He got excited because he flopped that jack with that crappy kicker. Um, you know, if you're playing like seven dudes, then you flop that seven and, he, and you're not as excited. But, you know, you flop this jack, you get excited. And uh, and he was dead because he got excited. And then they, he picks up that the miracle turn. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, if we went back in time and said, and didn't know this now, and said, okay, come up with every hand that could possibly make that raise and have us beat. You would never say Jack Five. You just wouldn't. You'd be like, it's got to be a long time to get the Jack Five. It would take, <laughs> it's like the seventeenth choice or something. I don't know, but wow. And he even said it a little bit in his description. He's like, "How did that five help him?" And yeah. it's like it couldn't have, and it did. It's insane. Well, we both said that right away. That five was meaningless. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But not, I guess. <laughs> so you go back to the beginning and you say, "Okay, Sky raised fifteen in the low jack with Jack Five off." At a table of people in South Florida, he doesn't know that South Florida is a hotbed for gambling and poker. I mean, you don't know how. What is he thinking? And then he gets a re-raise, and then says, "Ah, oh, yeah, what the hell? You know, my Jack Five off is probably still good. I might flop a Jack. You know, he gets re-raised and calls. You got to get this guy in the home game. Whenever we get that game back together, ask Vic for his uh, his vitals. I want his information. Well, yeah, and we're saying that I agree with you too, but I'm like. Uh, the one thing that this guy's got going for him now is that you got to pump the brakes a little bit now because if he's willing to play Jack Five or raise, I mean, we got the best of him here by hitting that that two outer, right? But but I mean, imagine like if, if the next hand from Big G was the same guy, I'm like, we wouldn't be having the same discussion, right? Yeah, we, we would not be saying that Five cannot have helped him because. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, you know, so there's a little bit of genius in, in being clueless like this. And, and um, so, I mean, it, it's a tough guy to play against now. I mean, obviously, long term, statistically, uh, we're going to make a lot of money off him. But short term, I mean, you know, who knows? Yeah. He had, the best now, but he could get the best of us with crappy two pair next hand. So. And it wasn't a pure miracle that he hit because they had actually had eight outs, if you think about it. Three sevens and three threes. Yeah. Also gives him uh, the winning hand. So. It wasn't like he got it in oh, really yeah, bad. The jacks too. So. Yeah. Well, the jacks would have given him the, the other guy a full house, and wouldn't have given us. So we had to have the three, the three sevens and three trays give us the winning hand plus the two queens. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. Right? I thought you, yeah, not us. Yeah. So yeah. we we could have you know we could have uh, uh, rivered more than just a queen to beat him. That's, so, that's but true. but still, it's still kind of a uh, oops, you know. And then you you step in it, but hey, he shouldn't have been up against that anyway. Which is the beauty of the game. I mean, you. That's why the the misinform or mis- incomplete information is what makes this game so special. You know why it's so easy to play and so hard to master. But uh, yeah. wow, Jack Five! That's that's Motown, baby, Motown. <laughs> Jack Five. <laughs> All right. So for the last time in 2021, I'm Chris Casenza, and I'm Scott Log. We'll see you at the table. Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom. 
save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.